Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Pirelli Scorpion Weather Active. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. What's going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, three and out podcast. Brought to you live. Not really live because it's recorded by the Colin Coward Podcast Network. Back at it after a long week in Nashville. If you haven't listened, last week I talked to Titans GM, John Robinson, a buddy of mine. Uh, I was at Titans practice, also also talked a little bit about Mariota and, and some other stuff they're working on at Titans practice, so th- that was last week. Got a lot of good stuff coming up. I, I got to go in here on the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, talk a little bit about Julian Edelman getting popped, you know, for a uh, an invisible substance, whatever it is, P- PEDs, I mean, we know what it is. Andrew Luck threw for the first time, uh, really, it feels like in a year and a half, two years, yesterday. And on all these holdouts, because not all these holdouts are are created equal. But let's start with the Seattle Seahawks. I saw this. It would have been over the weekend. Earl Thomas tweeted out basically a long statement that he will not be showing up to the mandatory minicamp. And my timeline, I follow a lot of NFL people. Like, I'm sure if you're listening to this, so do you. You know, national people, local people, you name it. And, And most of them, and the difference between me and most of the media... And I guess I'm in the media. I, I don't. I'm not a journalist. Uh, I view my. I went to business school. Uh, I, I was an NFL scout. I, you know, I, I wrote for my school newspaper in college. I, I kind of view myself as a hybrid. I view myself more as a businessman than a journalist. I, I'm just an opinion guy. Uh, but I do lean. I always lean on one side, and that's pro business. I, I'm not really pro player, pro employee. Though, given certain circumstances, I will lean with them. But it's very consistent in pro sports, especially in football, and you see it in basketball, that you know the media always leans with a player. Like, they deserve this. 
And my timeline was inundated with like, the Seattle Seahawks owe Earl Thomas. They deserve to pay. Earl Thomas has earned another contract. And my first reaction was, what are you guys talking about? The best organization in the last 20 years, Bill Belichick, refuses to pay anyone. In the last 30 years, the three best well-run organizations in the NFL, the uh, Bill Belichick Patriots, Bill Parcells, kind of wherever he went, and then the Bill Walsh, San Francisco 49ers. They never, and I repeat, ever gave players third contracts. They always, always sold high. And attempted to buy low. Now, Earl Thomas was a first-round pick, but they got the best out of him under no circumstances. I I, I often ask myself in these situations, what would Bill Belichick do? He would have traded Earl Thomas. And here's my other problem with the media. And and just, I, I throw fans in general in this too. The moment, let's say in a... In theory, Seattle gave Earl Thomas a enormous third contract this week. And by this fall, Earl was not playing as well. He's battled major injuries the last several years. He's missed a ton of games. Obviously, had the broken leg a couple years ago that knocked him out for the season. Last year, missed a couple games. Also, you know, and I'm not disputing that he's a great player. Hell, I might vote for him for the Hall of Fame just based on his career if it ended today. But my point is this. That if Seattle goes this fall and has and pays Earl Thomas and continues a shitty cap, which they have no room to add players, they have no draft picks, the media will then crush them. We have the blueprint. The blueprint is consistent. Do what Belichick does. Sell players as they get 29, 30, 31. Get rid of them. Do not overpay them after you've gotten the best out of them. We know that for a fact. That's the way it works. Why do all these media people, you know, bang the table and these guys getting paid when you know that eventually in five months when Seattle is four and seven, you will be the one writing these articles and tweeting out these tweets, crushing them. When the reality, the story is right now, they deserve to be crushed right now. John Schneider and Pete Carroll have done a horrendous job the last several years. The most basic business principle, and that's what football is. And like I said, Bill Belichick, Bill Walsh, and Bill Parcells. Buy low, sell high. Now, sometimes in the NFL, you don't mind buying high, using a first-round pick to get a sweet player. Then you get, you know, hopefully, non-quarterback, obviously, eight to ten years out of that guy. And hopefully he's a Hall of Famer. Seattle was lucky enough that they drafted so many players in the mid to late rounds, from Bobby Wagner to the second, Richard Sherman in the fifth, Cam Chancellor, wherever, the third or fourth, they got all these great, they got, you know, Michael Bennett from for nothing. They signed Cliff Averill to a one-year deal originally. They got all these guys for very, they got, remember, they got Marshawn Lynch for a fourth-round pick. They were wheeling and dealing. They, I mean, their star quarterback, which we'll get into a second, they got in the third round. They had put together this great team. But the reality, and when I say players deserve, the percent of players, non-quarterback, that deserve anything in the NFL is probably less than 5% of players. Every other player is replaceable. I've been in these meetings, and now I've covered this league. It's a tried and true formula. But beside like maybe 5% of the players, and that's the Khalil Max, the Aaron Donalds, uh, you know, the, the, a very, very Antonio Brown, you know, a very, very select few. Luke Keekley. It, it's, a, it's a tiny amount of just blue chip all pro talents 
Every other player is replaceable. Every stinking one. You know, I for example, I, I didn't love when uh, the Raiders cut Michael Crabtree and then signed Jordy Nelson. But at the end of the day, it's not that big a deal. You know, it may work, it may not. But it, it is not going to be the reason they win or lose. Michael Crabtree, who had played, had I think 20 plus touchdowns the last several years, had been one of the better Raiders free agents, you know, in the last probably 20 years, is a replaceable player. You don't even flinch on replacing him. And he'd been good for them. He'd been their go-to receiver. Didn't even flinch. And I, I mean, trust me, I did not like the move, but I don't, I have no problem with you attempting to replace a player. I'm all for replacement. This is a pro-business podcast. I'm a pro-movement and pro-cutting players uh, opinion guy. You know, I, that's where I say I would hang my hat. I want turnover. That's the healthiest way to be. We've seen it. Belichick's given us the blueprint. The key, though, with being able to flip players is you have to have the quarterback. Seattle not only landed the quarterback in the third round, he became a superstar. The most important employee on your football team, they have. Think about that. Like the difference, and I was thinking about it this weekend, the difference between a dynasty, like what what New England's doing, even if, let's say, New England hadn't won five Super Bowls, they'd only won three, but they had still gotten to eight. They've been to all these AFC championship games. That's the goal. Sustained success. No lulls. And you should not have lulls when you have a quarterback. Look at the Green Bay Packers. They've only won one Super Bowl uh, during the Aaron Rodgers run, but every year they're in the playoffs. Now, I know last year they missed it, but it was because his collarbone shattered. Every year, even down years. Remember two years ago where they barely limped into the playoffs? Boom, they're in the NFC Championship game. When you have a quarterback, there's no excuse. You should not go through downturns. And the only way you go through downturns is when you have poor mismanagement. And John Schneider has done a terrible freaking job. There's no way around it. He, he could have traded Richard Sherman. He, he was so caught up on trying to get a premium for these players instead of living in reality and just taking a profit. Instead of trying to get a first-rounder for Richard Sherman, just take a second and get rid of his contract. Cam Chancellor, remember when they thought about trading him a couple years ago? Do you know what he does now? He's, he's got a screwed-up neck. His career's over. Michael Bennett, they basically gave away for nothing. Earl Thomas is not going to... like. I doubt he shows up for training camp. He wants a new contract. You should have known that. You could have traded him. I know you want to trade him for a first. Sometimes Bill Belichick just bites the bullet and gets rid of a guy for a third. Because when you get rid of him, you also get rid of his contract. Remember Belichick did that several years ago with Logan Mankins? Who Belichick went on record saying was the best offensive lineman he's ever coached in 40 plus years of being a coach in the league? He loved Logan Mankins. But it was just time. He didn't get that much. If I remember correctly, it was a third round pick. But he got rid of Logan's contract. Like, that p- part of trading Earl Thomas, you know, this offseason, instead of like, we got to have a first. Hell, if you got to get a third, just get rid of him because you saved the money on your cap. You have the most important player in Russell Wilson. I feel like they've lost their fastball. You know, I, I often get in arguments with different people, and I hate it when we overreact on a coach. Like, coaches don't get dumb overnight. But I, I do feel that Pete Pete's lost a little something. He doesn't quite feel like the same Pete Carroll he was three or four years. But I'd say the most important guy in that organization that's really kind of screwed up that, listen, I've defended forever. I thought he was one of the best GMs in the league. Has not been good the last several years. And has put them in a position where they they should have just kept, you know, hitting the ground running. They should just keep making the playoffs. 
keep competing for Super Bowls. They have Russell Wilson. Instead, it feels like last year they missed. feels like they're going to miss again this year. They went into a draft this year after not being very good with no picks. You know, eventually, it's like, you know, a credit card. You eventually got to pay up. All these years of trading for Percy Harvin, of trading for Jimmy Graham, last year trading for Sheldon Richardson, it missed. You know, none of those really hit. And now they found themselves kind of in no man's land. So they went all in. It kind of backfired. And then their chance to kind of recoup some of those picks. Now, you were never going to recoup the first rounders you gave up for those players. But you could have recouped some second and third rounders and also given yourself a lot of cap flexibility to then, as we've seen, you can trade for, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth round picks for, I I remember when the 49ers did it six or seven years ago for Anquan Bolden, traded a sixth round pick to the Baltimore Ravens because he was making $6 million. Look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year. I think traded a third round pick for JPP because he had a big contract. Those are smart deals. You know, Gronkowski probably could have been had this year if you had the cap room and you were willing to give up a second or third round pick. You know, sometimes you just have to get, you have to, sometimes you love selling high, but sometimes you just got to sell and make something. And John Schneider refused to do it. And now they're in no man's land. And then it was capped off by this morning, as of Wednesday morning, I woke up and I read that Ryan Grigson is now on the staff. So I, Pete Carroll's losing it. John Schneider hasn't been that good the last several years, and he might be losing it. Ryan Grigson's the worst scout I've ever been around. I, I really don't think it was that close. He once, when I worked with him in Philadelphia, gave Vaughn Miller a second-round grade. Listen, I'm all for thinking outside the box, and not everyone should be groupthink you know, with players, but there are certain players that are just no-brainers. You know, my mom could figure that one out. That one, and he was just terrible. I was never su- surprised when he was an absolute train wreck dumpster fire in Indianapolis, and I'm not saying anything that you guys don't know. He's had countless players that he was around in Indy. Not just crush him, eviscerate him. Like, legit hate. Uh, I'm scared for the Seattle Seahawks. I, I thought several years ago, that they weren't going to have Richard Sherman and Earl Thomas, all these guys forever. But once Russell Wilson established that he became a star, they could transition nicely to the second phase, like the New England Patriots did in 06, 07, 08. They kind of, they kind of pivoted. And Seattle, it, it shows you there's a big difference between what's that book called, Good to Great? There is a massive gap. And, you know, Seattle had a good run. They won a Super Bowl. They got to another. But it feels like it's going to end <laughs> where when it's all said and done, we should have been talking about they had a 12-year run. They went to four Super Bowls, you know, over that 10 years and won two. That doesn't look like it's possible now. And John Schneider and Pete Carroll deserve the blame. Everyone in the media is freaking out about Earl Thomas's contract. That's not the story. The story is John Schneider and Pete Carroll's incompetence. I'm embarrassed for them, and I feel bad for Russell Wilson. I think it was written once upon a time in the Declaration of Independence that everyone is created equal. And I think most people with common sense agree. I mean, have always agreed. But I do think in business... And in the private sector, everyone is not created equal. Some people in companies are more important than others. Just like some people in life, a a large percent, what do they say? 20% of the people pay 80% of the taxes. Uh, California, for example, the state that I live in, has a mass number of millionaires leaving. That is a problem. I, I hate to say it, but multi-millionaires, guys that make $50 million a year, 
are more important to the state, let's say, than me. Why? Because they fund the state. (laughs) Their tax bill is enormous. We have to keep those people in this state to keep flourishing. Just like anyone that's listening knows in their company, they work with incompetent people that you could replace without blinking. And some of those people might be in management positions. And you know this guy is an idiot. I've worked with those people. You've also worked with people that you go, God, we got to have this guy. You know, if if there was equivalence of holdouts in, you know, your sales job or, you know, a construction company, you're, you would be in trouble. And I view holdouts in the NFL very similarly. Every holdout is not created equal. It's just not. Right now, to me, Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack are in, as I talked about in the last segment, you know, probably 5% of non-quarterbacks in the NFL that aren't really replaceable. And I'd put Aaron Donald and I would put Khalil Mack in, in that in that small, small percentage of people that I would have no problem, quote-unquote, overpaying, paying a premium for. And really in the NFL, when the cap continues to rise at the rate in which it rises, you know, at like 6 7% a year, oh, it's hard to overpay uh, because in three or four years, it'll be an underpay. So I do think that teams get too caught up in like, we can't give this guy $75 million guaranteed. Well, if his name's Khalil Mack or Aaron Donald, in a couple years, it won't even look that bad. It, it really won't. So when you pinch pennies with players like that, it's only going to come back to bite you. But when I look at Julio Jones, for example, who is a borderline Hall of Famer in my mind, him holding out and wanting a new contract, uh, don't view him quite like uh, Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald. I've already paid Julio Jones if I'm Thomas Dimitrov. I paid him a massive deal when I drafted him in the first round because of what I had to trade to get him. Then I traded him a second uh, second deal, which was massive. He's proven to struggle to stay on the field. I would struggle to pay him another contract. As I talked about with the Seattle Seahawks, it would cross my mind, do, do I get rid of him now? Have I got the best out of Julio Jones? You can hold out all day, Julio. I'm not really losing much sleep. I'm not going to pay you, so you either show up or don't collect your money because we're paying you a lot. Now, I know you want more, and relative to the market, you're probably worth a little more, but I don't think you're getting it for me. Then you have David Johnson. David Johnson, his first couple years, looked like one of the great steals in draft history. A third rounder that looked like he was headed to the Hall of Fame. I said, whoa, Nelly. This guy looks like a superstar. And he did, until last year, when he broke his wrist and missed every stinking game. He's the best player on the Arizona Cardinals by a mile. I, I guess not maybe Patrick Peterson might not be a mile away, but he's the best player on the team when healthy. Patrick Peterson's second, who's damn good. But he's a running back. Last year, without him for 15 games, with Blaine Gabbert as a starting quarterback, the Arizona Cardinals went 1-15. No, wait. They went 8-8. Eight and eight. They went 8-8. Eight and eight. So you go David Johnson, which I'm sure wants $50 million guaranteed. I go, David, you can hold out, my man. I think you're fantastic. But I just went 8-8 eight and eight with Blaine Gabbard as my starting quarterback without you. So yeah, I mean, I'd have no problem giving you $30 million guaranteed. But I know you want way more than that, and I ain't doing it. Let's see if you can play back-to-back years healthy. You just missed 15-plus games. Like, I, I, I'm sorry. David Johnson, again, is not in the Khalil Mack or Aaron Donald category. 
All holdouts are not created equal. I also, I, I've kind of flipped a little bit. I, I I think a couple weeks ago when Hunter Henry tore his ACL, the tight end for the San Diego Chargers. Yes, I still call them the San Diego Chargers. I know they live in Los Angeles, but I refuse to call them the Los Angeles Chargers. I said, Odell Beckham, it is not worth it. Do not show up on any given cut, on any given lift, whatever you're doing in the facility, you can tear your knee and you will, you know, essentially could potentially lose, you know, 65, $70 million. But yesterday watching some videos of Odell at practice, I thought, you know what? It was a calculated risk, but probably the smart move because like David Johnson, Odell is coming back from a major injury, a broken ankle. So, and also, there's a variable with the New York Giants. The general manager got sick. Uh, I, you know, I, I, off the top of my head, I want to say leukemia, but I think he announced last week I, w- I was in a bachelor party, so I might have had a few. But it was, whoa. I, I, I mean, is it, my first thought was David Gettleman's not going to be the general manager in two years, whether he'll just have to step away and hopefully he gets better. But he was already an older guy. I think 66 years old, now is sick. And I, I think in a statement, he said he's going to work as much as he can, but the, the writing's on the wall. I mean, he's not going to be the general manager. You you would bet for the foreseeable future, so they're probably going to have to go through a change. So basically, Odell is now kind of negotiating with the owner. So him showing up is kind of a smart move just to show, look, guys, I, I'm healthy. I, I'm ready to go. I'm a team guy. Break me off. Now, once I come for these mini camps, if I'm Odell, I'm not coming back for training camp. You've seen me, I'm healthy, unless I have a new contract. Like, you've seen I'm ready to go, I'm all in, I'm 100%, break me off. And to me, Odell, in that 5% of players, uh, I, I know Colin Coward often says about wide receivers, they're kind of, you know, the window dressing, you don't. Uh, you know, build your team around them. And for the most part, I agree. But there is a select few. Five, six years ago with Julio Jones, I would have paid him. Antonio Brown, no problem paying it. And he's a diva. But I don't care. He's so damn good. If Odell is 100%, I have no issue paying him. Enormous money. He could be an all-time great player. I mean, he was through three years. He's that special. So I would put Odell, if 100% healthy... And all in with the new coaching staff, who looks to be, you know, Pat Shermer, a little more dynamic than Ben McAdoo, obviously, as a play caller. I would put him closer to that Khalil Mack, Aaron Donald category. Now, I'd rather have Khalil Mack or Aaron Donald on my team. Basically, no drama, team captains, absolute ass kickers at pass rusher. But Odell is pretty special. Like, he's a Hall of Fame level player. So, he played it right, calculated risk, get through these couple days at minicamp. But I ain't showing back up for training camp. Uh, unless I got a new deal. So I think we got to pump our brakes a little bit when we talk about holdout. All holdouts are not created equal. I'm sorry, Julio. You're not getting paid. As we talked about, you know, to open up the show, I'm sorry, Earl. I'm not paying you. I'm sorry, David Johnson. Like, I I will extend you, but I'm not giving you some historic contract. Like, play it out, bro. And then if you are awesome, I'll probably franchise you. You're running back, you know? I'm not in the business of paying running backs historic amount of money. Now, Khalil Mack, Aaron Donald, pass rushers. Uh, they, they get paid. Now, do I love paying non-quarterbacks? As I was texting with a coach last night, and I was like, God, you know, these non-quarterbacks, you know, Matt Ryan, $100 million, Kirk Cousins, $86 million, Jimmy Garoppolo, $75 million. 
any other player, even when they're superstars. Von Miller, remember how long it took him to get a deal? Khalil Mack, Aaron Donald's like pulling teeth. That's just the way the NFL is. It's why these owners are the richest of the three sports. It's why the sport makes the most amount of money. They don't do bad contracts, really, for the most part. And even their bad contracts, you're not stuck in for long. You can get out of. So, Julio, enjoy the summer, bro. <laughs> We're not extending you a contract if I'm Thomas Dimitrov. David Johnson, you know the date when training camp starts. Hopefully I see you here. Odell, appreciate you showing up. Prove you're 100%. We'll have to work something out. Khalil and Aaron, that's on the Rams and Raiders. Get something done. Let's get into my main man and really one of my favorite players in the league probably the last five or six years, Julian Edelman. And he he really made me think, and one word came up the more I thought about his situation after he got popped uh, for substance or, you know, whatever the specific language is. Listen, I, I don't care however it's written, uh, the apology, the appeal, you got caught. You know, you got caught juicing, using PEDs, trying to recover, and I don't blame you. Uh, because desperation makes people do crazy things. We've all been in desperate situations before. whether And sometimes we feel desperate when in reality we don't need to be. And you see it a lot of times in relationships when, when people are breaking up or getting divorced. They're, they're desperate to keep it going. When really the, the healthiest thing is, is always to kind of take a step back, take a deep breath, and kind of move on. But, but I think sometimes professionally, when your job's on the line, and I've been in this situation, you know, by the time I was 30, I'd been fired twice. I'd been fired in the NFL and on a radio show that I had for three plus years. And in both situations, uh, when management and myself did not see, you know, see eye to eye, Probably in the NFL situation, it was a little more desperate. The radio thing, I was confident enough in my abilities. Like, I wasn't really worried. I didn't want to work with the guy anymore. But but the point being that, you know, it, you make some mistakes. Some things that maybe you regret. Some desperation tactics that you're like, ugh. As you get older, you realize, I probably didn't need to do that. And Julian Edelman, I, I don't blame him for being a tad bit desperate. He's had a front row. He spent his entire career with the New England Patriots. He has seen countless players, be I mean, great players, be traded. As I mentioned earlier in the show, Logan Mankins. He saw Chandler Jones traded. I mean, these are some... I mean, Chandler Jones was one of the best pass rushers in the league. Was gone. Now, granted, he went in naked to a, to a precinct, you know, in front of some cops on, you know, ecstasy or whatever. Uh, he's seen countless players cut. I mean, good players. Just see ya. Wes Welker, you name it, countless. How many players has he seen hit the open market to not have a contract extended? I was just at Titans practice, standing right next to Deion Lewis. Dude's a stud. You know what Belichick said? I'll get a guy, John Robinson, you're going to pay him $9 million guaranteed? I'll use one of my first-round picks on uh, Sony Michelle and get him for a quarter of the price. That's how Bill Belichick thinks. Nate Solder, see you, buddy. I'm not paying you $30 million guaranteed. I'll just sign... The win kid from Georgia. He'll be my new starting tackle for, you know, an eighth of the price. That's how Belichick thinks. Edelman's 32 years old. He's had, obviously, a major injury. His ACL, he missed all of last season. But when you go to his NFL.com page, you forget that two years ago he was awesome when they won the Super Bowl and just made enormous plays. I mean, he is a big-time, big-game player. I know his stats aren't as good as Wes Welker, but in my personal opinion, like peak Wes Welker and peak Julian Edelman, 
I'd go to war at my slot receiver with Julian Edelman. Now, maybe Belichick would disagree, and maybe if I truly, truly don't... I, I feel pretty confident about that, actually. I, I'm taking Julian Edelman over Wes Walker in their primes. And, and Wes is an all-time great slot guy. I mean, stud. Julian's 32 years old, and if you look back in 2015, he missed seven games. So, from seven games, and then this year, 16 games, you do the math, that's 23 games in three years. At 32 years old, Edelman knows. Belichick will get rid of him. He'll cut him. You know, and that's why he probably got desperate and used something because his rehab, he wanted to be bigger, faster, stronger. I mean, we all do. And in pro sports, it's why I never blamed baseball players for using. Now you're a little stupid for using because the testing's so intense, but these jobs are so hard to come by. Edelman's in the best organization, maybe in the history of the sport in terms of winning, in terms of success. He's Brady's go-to guy. But he's seen. He's at a front row seat. He knows that doesn't matter. Welker at one point in time was Brady's go-to guy. He got rid of him. Danny Amendola, one of the great clutch Patriots in recent memory. Belichick, see ya. Have fun in Miami. Adios, bro. Edelman knows. He's not dumb. Edelman's always hung his hat on outworking everyone, on just being a grinder. Well, for the first time, you know, he tore his ACL at he's 31, 32 years old. You kind of look in the mirror. You, go, you start realizing... Bill will get rid of my ass. He'll cut me. He'll trade me. I I don't make that much money. I sign a team-friendly deal, and it's probably the argument why you don't sign team-friendly deals. Teams will use it against you. You're an easily tradable asset. So when he got popped, and and I know he'll deny it, and they're appealing. Listen, man, I don't believe you. I I don't believe any of you guys. I, I I didn't believe Thomas Davis when he got popped, and he had this stupid apology, you know, on Twitter. Like, Thomas, I get it, man. You've torn your ACL three times. You know, you're a 35-year-old middle linebacker. You want to keep your career going. I would, too. You know, come to the real world. There aren't many jobs paying you 8 to $10 million. I get it. We all get it. And I don't expect you to be transparent and be candid and tell me the truth. But I think we have enough information to realize why Edelman did what he did. Belichick, will get, Belichick terrifies everyone because he'll just replace you. He did it. How many guys did he do it with this offseason? Deion Lewis, see ya. Sony Michelle, new starting running back. Nate Solder, been the left tackle forever. Adios, he's a first-round pick, Isaiah Wynn. He wanted to do the, the only guy that's avoided the wrath of the hoodie all these years, and, and he should and he deserved to avoid the wrath, is the greatest quarterback of all time. It took the greatest quarterback of all time, guy better than Joe Montana, think about that, to avoid Belichick getting rid of him. And we all know it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out Belichick had planned on getting rid of him. He was going to you know, use Jimmy Garoppolo as the guy to replace him. It was going to be his Steve Young for his Joe Montana. I know people think it's crazy. He won the MVP last year. He got him to the Super Bowl. He threw 500-plus yards in the Super Bowl. I don't think for a second if somehow that Robert Kraft and Brady wouldn't have forced Belichick's hand to trade Jimmy Garoppolo that Bill might not have entertained it this offseason. Because on just the most basic premises, you probably should bet against him three years ago when he was in his late 30s. But now that he's 41 years old, you know, and I love Tom Brady. He's one of my favorite players in all of sports ever. I, I have nothing but admiration for everything he stands for. A badass, killer, just, he's the man. I mean, he's Tom freaking Brady for a reason. Belichick doesn't care. He doesn't care. Uh, and Julian Edelman knows that. If Julian Edelman can sit there on his couch 
somewhere in the greater New England area and think to himself, this guy would have replaced Tom Brady off an MVP season, off leading us to the Super Bowl. What's he going to do to me? Coming off an ACL, two years ago I missed seven games. I'm 32 years old. I'm pretty tradable. I don't make very much money. Edelman got desperate. And, you know, I most of us probably in the same situation, playing for Belichick, coming off an ACL in our early 30s, would have got desperate too. It's time for my favorite time of the week, the Middlecoff Mailbag. If you go, I, I, I mainly read all the questions. I mean, I do read all the questions off iTunes. So if you listen to the podcast off iTunes, subscribe, rate, and in the review section, leave a question, and I will get to it in the podcast. I've been doing it every show. We only got a couple this week. Go in there, do it, and especially this summer, uh, I'm efforting some pretty cool guests. I'm going to try to mix it up, just different people in the media, some some people, some assistant coaches. I did a Periscope yesterday asking what kind of guests you guys like. A lot of people wanted scouting directors, and I said the problem with that in the NFL is you can only get general managers and, for, and sometimes position coaches, but people non-GMs in the league, they're, they're not allowed to talk. It's why I often say when Twitter freaks out about anonymous scouts, they are not allowed to talk. Uh, the media knows what they're doing when they get those guys' quotes because people eat them up, but there's a reason they're anonymous. They're not allowed to put their name on it. But let's start with uh, Circle the Wagons. Nick from PA. Uh, love the podcast. Same. Me too. Uh, two quick questions. We'll start with the first one. What advice would you give someone who is trying to get into scouting at the NFL level? I tell this to, I, I get a lot of random emails from young kids in college that maybe follow me on Twitter uh, and, and often ask this question as well. And my simple advice is start in college football. And, you know, if you're in college, even if you're at, you know, not necessarily like a Power 5 program, but a Division 1 AA program, I got my start at Cal Poly. And the great part is at, at smaller programs, it's kind of easy to get in. That They need the help. Now, they're not usually going to pay you, but you can volunteer, help them out with recruiting, uh, do anything. And usually they'll give you opportunities. And then that led me to a job at Fresno State, which again, probably was a huge benefit that I went to Fresno State and not like, USC or UCLA or, you know, Cal, as crazy as that sounds, because again, it was a smaller program and enabled me to take on more. So my recommendation is always, now I got lucky that the head coach at that smaller program and Pat Hill was, you know, a Belichick guy and close with Andy Reid and we were producing a bunch of NFL guys. But, but I really think one of the big reasons I made it to the NFL was I had worked at smaller programs and I had done a lot of stuff. Uh, there really wasn't anything that I wasn't asked to do. So the transition, it was still hard, but it, it, it helped a lot. And I think people often like, I got to get to Alabama. You know, I got to get to Texas. No, I mean, try, try to work at like Texas State, you know. Try, try to work at UC Davis because I'm telling you, these NFL scouts come through all these programs. There are no more hidden gems. And NFL teams go through everywhere. And if you work in recruiting, you will meet these guys. And it's the, it's the easiest way to develop a, you know, a real relationship and maybe kind of get your foot in the door. It's what I do. It's what I did. And it's what I've seen. You know, a lot of people I work with kind of did the same thing. They worked in college programs and then eventually got the step. It's no different than a player. You know, if you want to make it to the NFL, you got to play college football. You know, if you want to get to the NFL and the scouting community, it's a little different. Like you can take different routes. But I think the majority of scouts kind of got their start in college football. 
how do you think the Bills will do this season? You know, I think they're going to take a little step back. Uh, I'd be shocked if Josh Allen is not the starting quarterback. Uh, you take him seven overall. Listen, in 2018, when you take a guy in the first round, he's got to play. And there probably hasn't I, – I, anyone listening to this for a while knows I'm not the biggest Josh Allen guy. Uh, just not my cup of tea. <laughs> you know, I, I like quarterbacks that complete passes, not inaccurate quarterbacks at small schools that can't complete passes and then also don't win that many games. It makes me a little uneasy. But you'd be crazy not just to throw them out there. And and one of the things we, we were taught at Cal Poly, my small school, was we learn by doing. I'm a big believer in you learn by doing. Throw them out there, let them feel the fire, let them get his feet wet, and let them make mistakes. Because I, I, I'm a big believer, and I think most people are, that failure is not a bad thing, uh, especially at the quarterback position, especially when you need to improve. You, don't, you can only improve so much on the sideline. So I, I think, you know, maybe five or six wins. Uh, I thought last year, I think obviously they made the playoffs. At, I think it was they only won nine games. They really probably overachieved more than any team in the league. Besides Shady McCoy, I mean, how many really good players do they have? Tredavious White, the, the corner they drafted, is going to be a pretty good player. I mean, their best player was Lorenzo Alexander. That kind of tells you, you know, the state of their defense. They played solid. I mean, was well-coached. Sean McDermott is just an overachiever in general. Uh, but to win with one really premium player, remember they traded from Ronald Darby to Sammy Watkins before the offseason. We all kind of thought they were tanking. Uh, but they were just a well-coached, smart team. The problem is you can only overachieve for so long. Eventually, you got to get players. Uh, I think they're probably a couple years away. I, they're headed in the right direction. They had a really good draft. If Josh Allen can just become a solid quarterback, they're going to be in pretty good shape. While I didn't like him, I did have a lot of friends in the league that did like him that were very, very intrigued. And I think if I was countering myself and why I don't like him, you got to be careful with this in college football. The NFL looks at a lot of college football coaches, especially at small schools, as average to below average coaches. So maybe a lot of people think that, and this can also get you in trouble, when you're so arrogant that we'll coach them up, we'll make them better. And I think that's how clearly the Bills thought. Uh, but they like, obviously, Josh Allen a lot, and now he's their franchise quarterback, and they're all in. They'll kind of sink, sink or swim as far as he'll go. But even if A.J. McCarron ends up starting early in the season, that Tyrod Taylor was a better player. I mean, I think A.J. McCarron stinks. So their, their quarterback position is definitely going to take a step back. And as we've seen in the NFL, you, you're only as strong as, as your quarterback. Let's uh, get to Mark A. Love the podcast and the football insight. Coward doesn't even have the Jags as a top 10 roster in the NFL. I haven't seen him say that, but that's kind of crazy. Is that simply because Bortles is a quarterback? Do you think they take a step back because of the division? Or do you still view them as one of the better teams in the AFC coming into the 2018 season? I would, if that's what Colin thinks, I would adamantly disagree. I think they are the best roster in the AFC. With Ryan Shazier now, I mean, hopefully his career's not over, but he's obviously not going to play this year. I think they passed the Pittsburgh Steelers. Even though the Pittsburgh Steelers weren't, quote-unquote, the best team in the AFC, that was the Patriots. I thought when Ryan Shazier was healthy, they had the best roster because they had the most blue-chip players and they had the start quarterback. You remove him, I think then the Jaguars pass them. The AFC is not close to as good as the NFC. There are really probably only three or four good teams. Uh, in obviously New England, obviously Pittsburgh, uh, and, and Jacksonville. We'll see what Gruden can do for the Raiders. I, I do think the Raiders have a chance to be up there. They have an excellent roster. But I, I, I actually, Bortles has kind of grown on me. 
I don't know if he's ever going to be a top 10 quarterback, but he clearly can kind of maybe be in that 15, you know, to 10 range. Uh, Leonard Fournette continues to be a horse. Their defense is absolutely stacked. And, you know, they should be – got to give Doug Marone credit. He's a solid coach. To go on the road and to win a playoff game at Pittsburgh, that was one of the more impressive playoff victories I remember in recent memory. Again, their roster, you could argue, is number one in the NFL. It's hard to be the number one roster in the NFL when your quarterback is Blake Bortles. But they're clearly a top three or four roster and probably the best roster in the AFC, which is all that matters. But I do hear you. Andrew Luck threw a football for the first time yesterday. If he comes back, the Colts are one of the great wild cards in the league. I think the Texans are going to be much improved. Obviously, Deshaun Watson coming back from the injury. And I was at Titans practice. They are very, very solid. So are they going to win you know, 12, 13, 14 games? Probably not. But the Jacksonville Jaguars should, win, should be a 10-win team, and they should be a playoff team. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Again, put your questions in iTunes. I'll get to them every week. Uh, here on the podcast, I'm efforting some big guests. We're going to try to get that going, you know, over the summer when the football stories slow down a little bit. But uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. I appreciate it. Last week, you guys crushed it. I mean, it was, a, it was a fun podcast doing with John Robinson. We had a lot of meat this week, which is kind of the last week of the, the off season before we go to summer break, before training camps, which are, you know, a little over a month away. But subscribe, rate, and in those review sections, leave your questions. Listen to Three and Out with John Middlecoff on the Colin Coward Podcast Network. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Fire the grill and fire up the party. Get the Weber Searwood Pellet Grill. Smoke, roast, and sear on the same grill. Go from low and slow on smoke boost mode at 180 degrees all the way to high heat sear at 600 degrees. It's got a full grate sear zone so you can put more food on the flame. Food will look as good as it tastes. This grill is hot in 15 minutes and cleanup is easy. You can also add a heavy-duty rotisserie or rust-resistant griddle insert to up your game. Get fired up for your new Weber Searwood Pellet Grill. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.